Hi families, welcome to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to take a second to tell you about Gab Wireless. They are the creators of the world's safest phones for kids ages four and up. Now I'm speaking as a parent who has had to deal with making the decision of whether or not to get my kids cell phones. So I highly recommend that before you buy your child a cell phone, do yourself a favor and look into Gab's devices. They are the perfect alternative to fully loaded smartphones and they include everything that your child needs to stay connected to you, minus the distraction and risks like social media and the internet. Plus, I can personally attest to how nice it is to talk to my children on their own devices instead of having to go through my ex. (laughs) Um, For example, my older daughter, who's around 12, has the Premium Plus phone now, uh, and my youngest, who is six, has the watch, which she's had for a couple of years, and they call me whenever they need me and send me texts whenever they need me. So it's been really, really awesome for us. Um, Not to mention how super affordable Gab's devices and accessories and calling plans are. So if you're in the market for a phone for your child, go to Gab Wireless, that's G-A-B-B wireless.com, and at least comparison shop, right? No harm, no foul. Um, and if you decide to shop and get something, you can get an exclusive discount just for being an, a listener if you use our promo code. And that code is CoParent. See, easy to remember. C O P A R E N T, CoParent. Um, so feel free to use it. And if you become a proud Gab parent, don't forget to tag us on social media. (laughs) Hi, this is Rosalie Farnsworth, and you're listening to The Co-Parenting Collective. In this episode, you'll meet Brooke, an incredibly intelligent, optimistic, and strong bonus mom to twin girls. She reached out to me a couple of years ago on Instagram because she needed help managing the communication between herself and the girl's mom, since her boyfriend is more of a parallel parent than a co-parent, and Brooke was saddened by the toll it took on the girls. Her hope was to somehow create a more civil dynamic where they could pass vital information between homes, allowing them to be more responsive to the girl's needs. And she has had to overcome so much, but it's her devotion to getting it right that is really impressive to me. So I hope that you find inspiration in her story the way that I have. Honestly, I wish that she was the stepmom to my children, but I digress. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Co-Parenting Collective. This is my dear friend, Jesus bonus mom, um, Brooke Parker. And she lives in California. Uh, is it, I don't know if I got your title right, but I know that you're a social worker. Is that the exact, am I screwing that up? No, that's close enough. I am a case manager that's doing social work. Okay, okay. Depends on what agency you work for in California and your level of education. Either okay. you're a social worker or you're a case manager. So. Okay, okay. So she's a stepmom to twin girls. And she's also a breast cancer survivor, which she went through that uh, while she was a stepmom. 
a new one, right? Fairly new. That yeah. So, and I am, um, just to be technical, mm -hmm. we are not married. Mm -hmm. So we're all co-parenting with, um, out the marriage part. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody by claiming something that I'm a title that I'm not. So I am definitely a bonus parent. Whatever, whatever the technicality is that we want to place on it. The, the, the long and short of it is that you parent them, you mm -hmm. cook for them, you love them, you support them, you're in their corner, you do crafts with them, you wash their laundry and help them give them life advice. Mm -hmm. All, whatever we want to adjective, however we want to put adjectives on it, that's what you do. Um, for girls that you did not give birth to give birth to so and you've been a bonus mom we'll use bonus mom just you know to keep it simple you've been a bonus mom for about four years now right yep for um yeah it's actually a little over four years mm -hmm. um that so their dad and I have been together for about four and a half mm -hmm. and at them we waited six months mm -hmm. um we let our relationship settle down a little until yeah. I was introduced to them and mm -hmm. um which was really important to him and I thought was I mean amazing that yeah. he did that yeah he put them first right and who would want to be the girlfriend that's been introduced um, or who would want to be in that role of like, oh, your girlfriend number two or five or 10 or 15. It's mm -hmm. nice doing that. It's just me. Mm -hmm. And it diminishes when you do that sort of thing too, it diminishes your importance to the girls or to the children, right? So anyone who's listening, if you're just having people coming in all the time, how do you then without hypocrisy say to your kid, respect this person, respect this person, respect this person, be nice, do that. And then you're, you're creating these scenarios, you know, it, it just, it goes down this very deep rabbit hole where then you're affecting um, how they build their attachments to people and whether they can trust their, those attachments and all kinds of ugly things. But I think that's, I actually did exactly that myself. I waited a really long time. And then when I finally did find somebody, it was, I still took it slow. Mm -hmm. I took it slow to date that person. I took it slow to introduce that person. And even when the introduction, I don't even know if you can consider it an introduction, but I was like, okay, I really like this guy. And I said, I was like, you know what? We're going, I'm taking my son to the beach today. If you want to meet us there, you can. If not, no big deal. <laughs> I didn't even make it a formal thing. I think that the introduction is important. Um, I remember when I came over mm -hmm. and, but I asked their dad, um, what is their favorite food? And mm -hmm. so I went by and picked up Thai food. Mm -hmm. And when I came in and he's like, this is my friend, Brooke. Mm -hmm. And they're like, instantly they've got an eyebrow. Mm -hmm. so they both were not smiling and they're both like a dead stare. And you know, they're five years old. So their, yeah. their eyebrows are up and they, had a feeling something's going on because they had been involved with um, like their dad talking about their, his friend, Brooke. Mm -hmm. And so now here I am with their favorite food. And so it was kind of unresistible. So right, right, right. They they, could, and as soon as we were done eating, we sat down and started to like, I started to try to get to know them, you oh. know, playing, <laughs> 
laughing and lots of giggling and you know uh like for me like a bond that happened instantly like mm-hmm. it was not anything I ever had to work at mm-hmm. some stepmoms will say like it was just so natural like it just was you know I was just meant to be there like this is my purpose I've heard that too so you know it's so good that you're there for them and you you know you have been who you are to them I know that you know every child is different and I for my son he was just a quiet kid and I don't think a closed space where it was like the three of us would have worked for him but again I had two separate lanes it was my dating life and my mom life. And I wasn't mixing the two. And then once I was comfortable, um, I would say, you know, I have this friend, you know, I might want you just here and there, but he, he was like, okay, you know, but by then he was like eight, eight years old. Um, I feel like if you have the choice, we're presenting it to you. <laughs> Brooke and I present, you know, things come up in a relationship and if you, if, if it's going to be something new, like, let's just say cancer, you know, it's yeah. like if, if you, that's a lot to go through in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you have little people that are very much a part of that whole process. Mm-hmm. And so if they're looking at you to see like, like, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. And you got, and the adults have to, you know, at, at least maybe even fake it, but mm-hmm have to show like a unity and that you're okay and then the kids are like this is fine eh. yeah yeah no big yeah. deal yeah and I was just talking to somebody about this I think that um if I stopped talking today never said another word my kids would still be okay I don't have to say words for them to feel like they're all right they know that my body language and the environment that I've created for them it's safe. They're supported. All their needs are met. And I don't have to talk about it. I don't have to talk about myself. I don't have to talk about that. I don't have to talk about anything. They know that this is, that they're okay. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we, we have to realize that, you know, even if we, even if we don't say the right things or do, you know, verbally, you can still provide your family with a safe environment to be in. Cause they do, they intuit things. You know, we can't, we can't give animals more credit you know like we're we know a dog can be trained right but we can't give animals more credit as far as intelligence than we do our own children I think sometimes that happens don't you yeah and there was a time when um I can't remember what was kind of going on but I remember that the girls were coming um back from their moms and and I would say hi how are you and um and one of them would come and she would stand on my feet hard and I didn't and I didn't know what to do and this is like kind of like my field like I I felt like I should know what to do with this and Mm -hmm. I didn't so I asked my friend who's a therapist and she said that's probably her body language she's got something to say or something that she's feeling and she doesn't know what to do so it's very age appropriate for a six-year-old to do something like that. And so she said, next time she does it, mm-hmm. why don't you reach down and give her a hug? Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, that's mm-hmm. a great idea. So sure enough, just like clockwork, the next time she came home, how was your week? How was your day? Mm-hmm. She stands on my feet 
And because I had tried like the owl, like that hurts or, you know, why are you doing that? Silly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then um, she did again and I reached down and I gave her a huge hug and I didn't say anything. And I felt her literally like release. Re relax to you. Mm -hmm. Like that. And it was like, you're saying like the body language, it was like, she needed something mm -hmm. and that's how she was getting her needs, her needs met. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're a co-parent, I think that kids are conflicted a lot between if I ask her for a hug, is that, you know, am I being disloyal to mm -hmm. my other parents? Yeah. And so as you know, a bonus parent, you got to pick up on that kind of stuff and just kind of embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sign language is very physical. Nobody's saying anything, but it's like this, you know, you're paying attention to these movements and, and I do that, you know, my, my youngest is, um, she just turned four, but when, when they're not able to even articulate properly, like I see her wheels turning, I can watch I'm so in tune and I can literally watch like even her pupil. I just, I'm just watching when she's trying to get something out and then she reaches a point. She's, she speaks very well, but sometimes the emotion is bigger inside her. And then that's when I see like the frustration coming because she's trying to get it out. Mm -hmm. She can't. So then I'll just go over near her and I'll just put my hand on her and say, is it this? Is it that? Mm -hmm. And try to get her to, to articulate it, or she'll just reach out and give me a hug. And then that'll be the end, you know, and then she just settles down. So. And I, I just read recently about, um, like the whole idea of learning your spouse or your children's love language. Mm -hmm. And I just read about how, if your child, depending on their love language, mm -hmm. um, that reaching, like walking by them and for no reason, just giving them like a pat on the shoulder or just like rubbing their back as you walk by can be something that can really kind of fill their tank. Mm -hmm. So my daughter who is 10 is exactly that. Her love language is give me all the snuggles all the time. As often as possible, she will be sitting near me, even just to, she'll wants to hold hands very much like that. I actually have all those Have you? I don't know if you've seen it, but in our link, um, and on our site, we have all those love language books oh, good. in our right. library. So that our, all of our books are curated just specifically to help a family go from surviving to thriving. So yeah, you're exactly right. Those books are, are fantastic. You know, every single word, eh, I don't know, but they give you something to think about and to consider mm -hmm. when you're interacting with whoever, wherever. Well, and it's almost like I can even stretch it to um, like co-parenting with the other, with your, you know, for me to co-parent with the girl's mom, the mom. Mm -hmm. because, um, whether, you know, messages, whether that's body language or text messaging or whatever mm -hmm. can be received so many different ways, depending on how you are as a person and how you receive things. And like you and I have talked about before, not being ready mm -hmm. to receive something is also like so important, mm -hmm. but it's just all about the message and communication and getting to know people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to talk about that. Do you mind if I just say it? Go for it. You, 
Say what you want. Your boyfriend's ex was, I'm going to say, let's say was, because we've had some big breakthroughs, which we're going to, we're definitely going to get to, was extremely difficult. Um, talk about some of like, you know, when we talk back and forth, just some of the stuff that you were doing that was just basic, like getting the girls, um, school supplies and their mm-hmm. backpacks ready and then messaging mom to say, okay, this is ready. Do you want me to send it with the girls or drop it off? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's more normal than that. And then to get no response, um, with your cancer, I want to talk about that because not only were you going through cancer, but then she literally acted like, who gives a shit? You know, mm-hmm. you were, you got through it. You were in remission. Um, you were selected with 17 strong. Um, you got a trip to Hawaii and then talk about what happened. Like you had, you obviously needed a letter for the girls to leave and then I'll let you pick it up. Yeah. So we needed, um, you know, and it's um, an agreement. So, which can be, you know, a court thing or not a court thing, but there's an agreement that there's written permission. um, And there's a lot of different opinions about what the written permission would look like. And to me, it would look like a letter saying, uh, I so-and-so are, you know, let my kids and their names Mm -hmm. go on this trip to and the specific location for these times and and that's it and it was um a free a free trip that was going to be um seven days um and they include like a luau and snorkeling i mean just a a great opportunity for the girls and something for the four of us to kind of be like oh like we're done with cancer it was kind of like we are thing so i had reached out to mom um and silence other than like well that's my week and I you know was trying to be very respectful with like I don't know if I miss uh like misread the calendar but mm-hmm. it looks like it's not can you check again and let me know and it was like a back and forth of like just not wanting to like um compromise or come to some in my work I use the word consensus mm-hmm. and I like that word because mm-hmm on a scale of one to five, you don't have to agree at five or be disagreeing at one. You could be at a three and be like, yeah, like, yeah. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it went and I asked to meet in person. I asked to, we could talk about the trip. We could, I would, I could show you know you everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it I, was, can I interrupt you for just a second? Cause I wanna, I, one important point I wanna make for anyone listening, The reason why Brooke was communicating directly with the girl's mom is because her boyfriend and the girl's mom basically don't, don't talk to each other at all. Your boyfriend has tried, 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 tried getting the same, basically the same treatment you were getting, right? Mm -hmm. So probably what, whatever he had said to you prior to you knowing her was, you know, was being demonstrated. So that's why you were trying to work with her because there was nothing that was going to happen if it was your boyfriend making the request and you knew that you maybe had a little bit of wiggle room if it was you. Yeah. And I, um, based off of the communication, I wasn't told by him. I saw it. Okay. So 
you know, like when um, our phones and stuff aren't like secretive. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, he was open about all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, and I will say that I, you know, there's always two sides to every story okay. or in our case three. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that there was some perception on her end about how she was being communicated to or from as well. Right. So um, I will say that too. But um, when I had stepped in to try and instead of, you know, taking out the middleman and just being like a direct, like kind of like a girl to girl, let's see if we can talk about this and work it out. And it was, you know, silence. And then, you know, we were, I was getting the pressure from this prior to COVID. So I was getting the pressure from 17 strong organization of like, Hey, like we need dates. We need to be able to pay for this and we can't do anything without the letter to be able to then purchase the tickets. And so, um, I gave lots of time. And, um, when I finally asked again, it had been two months later and I didn't get a response, but I did get an email with the letter signed. I thought that was progress. And then we hit COVID and then <laughs> it was totally canceled. I'm like, well, <laughs> well, you have to, you'll have to go through the process again. Cause it was a certain date. Right. But now, well, we're get, we're going to get to it, but now maybe it'll be a little bit easier this time. I want to touch on something that I suggested you do at that time, which was, she was, it was silence, 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 right? And then you were like, what do I do? And for anyone listening, if you're in this position, I suggested that she give mom options. So like, kind of, are you in, are you out? like that didn't we do that we yeah we did pressured her with a deadline and then choices and then the same thing that 17 strong actually had said too is like they were like so i was getting it from that's why i felt like it was a good thing a good piece of advice is because two people for two totally different reasons were like (laughs) tell everyone some of the things so you had to go through cancer and chemo and losing your hair and the sickness of it and tell everyone what you were doing even then Uh, as a bonus mom so I'll, i'll back up a little bit more in january of 19 Um, I won't get into the details because I don't want to, um, it's just too much, you know, Mm -hmm. to put it there. And so we had gone, we were involved in court, in a court custody, um, with, uh, the parents, girls' parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that was started in January. And then I was diagnosed, um, with cancer in February, Mm -hmm. um, like the last day of the month. And then everything moves so fast that like, it's like we would have, it would be like court. And then it was like, okay, in three more months, you guys are going to come back. And so we had the kids and, um, I had a double mastectomy and reconstruction and that was a six week. And then, so I was two days out of surgery with drains and everything. And I had to be in court to testify, um, which was really hard for me um and then out of court um there was somebody on the opposite side who kind of I felt very like verbally attacked um in the courtroom and when I was trying to leave they were following me 
And I was like, not the time or the place. And I just barely manage physically. And right. I couldn't handle the emotional. Emotionally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. And then, um, so that was all happening. Um, and then when I started chemo in May or June, um, that went on all the way through my last treatment was the end of August. And so I didn't, even a year ago now, I didn't have hair. But from the very beginning, every single day, I needed a purpose because I'm not someone that just sits around and does nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, of course their dad, he, he's a doer. And so in his mind, he was like, she has cancer. I need to make sure that I have to work as much as I can to make sure I can pay the bills. Cause obviously like I'm out, I'm not working. Of course. Um, You know, I think I made like a disability made, you know, granted me a whole 10 or $11,000 for that year. Mm -hmm. And it it was hard. And Mm -hmm. I, my goal was to get up every day with the girls and uh, make breakfast and make lunches. And every day that I could, their dad really loves to pick them up from school. He loves, it's one of the things that he loves to do. And so I I would um, either go try to go with him or if he wasn't available, I would would go and pick them up. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were, I would say all of the months from like the, the court stuff, but more, more of the cancer stuff. I felt like they were little angels. Yeah. For me. They gave me a purpose to get up mm-hmm. and to be productive and to walk to the mailbox and go to the park and just be with them made me feel like I was surviving. Like I was healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it wasn't so bad because, you know, I, they would come home from school. Uh, I could get emotional right now. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> um, there are lots of times when I would just be in bed because it's not only chemo and there's different types of um, like side effects that chemo has. And one of them is chemo brain that's real. So you're very forgetful and you just feel like you're just an idiot all the time. Mm-hmm. And, but I would have to, because of my age, get a shot. Um, and I get a shot and it's to... Um, help with producing um, pop, healthy bone marrow. And so what it does for a young, for someone under 40 um, is it expands your bone marrow inside your bones. So it was very hard to walk. And um, there were times when their dad would start a bath and I would just, that help, he would help me in there. And um, so there was lots of times when the girls would come home from school and they would crawl in bed with me and we would just watch TV and watch movies together. And, you know, then it would be like, are you hungry? Yeah. And so then, you know, then here I am able to get up again and like making dinner, but that was my purpose was to, you know, for six weeks, I couldn't, they wouldn't even let me vacuum. So, so my goal was to get to um, vacuuming, cooking, cleaning, and having this house be like the best that it can be for everyone when they come home. And the girls, you know, are right along with me. Mm-hmm. Now, just to say your schedule, it's it's week on and week off, right? Now it is. Now it is. But back then, we were in court for about um, almost about five months, almost, and then it went week on, week off. Okay. So fifty-fifty, we hundred percent to dad, and then fifty-fifty again. And so okay. now, then it became week on, week off. 
So, so I, you had to deal, that was all going on with your boyfriend, worried about you, worried about the girls, so much going on. I mean, I, I can barely imagine it. Um, and it, you know, it really speaks to your character for, you know, pushing through and trying to get through that and knowing he's dealing with that. Did you ever have any thoughts of like, this isn't for me. I, I can't even, this is just too much with her, the way she, you know, uh, the drama she's bringing in and the courts and uh-huh. did you ever just think to yourself like, who needs this? This is just outrageous. No, not, not once. Okay. And not once. And there, there's been times when, you know, relationships have their ups and downs. So there's been mm-hmm. times when I feel like, um, the girls, you know, when things get rough, it's more of like the, the girls sometimes are, um, our glue mm-hmm. that makes us a whole blended family or a whole, mm-hmm. you know, you kind family. of rally, rally around each other. Right. Yeah. And, that's what yeah. Okay. and so, um, like, no matter what goes on with their dad and I, we have the same, like, goal. Like, our hearts are, you know, belong to the same people, which is, right. you know, right. the girl. Um, I think um, I was, and I'm also like a very pop, I think that I'm a very positive person, and I'm more of like a, okay, you have the answer. It's like, okay, like, then what are you going to do about it? You know, what's the plan? And that was the thing that was like hard to explain to little, little girls about because it's breast cancer. So it's like, mm-hmm. they are very visual, like they want to know, but it's also not, if I was their mother, I could show them mm-hmm. what's happening as it happens, if that's what I had chose, but I wasn't. So I had to be very careful with how I explain things mm-hmm. because um, I wanted them to understand, but I didn't want to be scaring them or anything yeah 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 appropriate that could be you know just not right because it's not my biological child Mm -hmm. Um, if it was my biological child i would might have said like look this is what it looks like and you know after all these other surgeries and things like Mm -hmm. this is what it looks like now you know but um so i was very careful to not do any of that and it was fine but in the beginning, they were, like I said, they were looking at us Very like, this is cancer. Like, are you going to die? Yeah. And, uh, I was also thankful because their dad was really pushing for therapy to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, but again, like we, sh- I think we showed that we had it mm-hmm. and we're dealing with it and we had answers to their questions and they never st- to me seemed very like scared or afraid. It was, um, they, I think they were confident mm-hmm. in the whole healing process. There was a level of frustration for me because I, not that I felt like I deserved anything, but I felt like a little tiny bit of like sympathy or a little tiny bit of empathy from their mom could have come along, would have gone a long way mm-hmm. uh, of, a relationship between us and it, I think it would have been important for the girls to see. To see, right, absolutely. And that's what that's what I was gonna get to is I feel like if 
my girls were in that situation and had a stepmom who was going through cancer, I, and I, and I've done this, um, just not with a stepmom, but I want them to see, you know, what you do, how to care for somebody, um, and take away any fears, like you were saying about death, because kids, they hear cancer and any, any child who is aware of what can remotely aware of what cancer is, they know that a lot of times it doesn't go well. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I 100% think that it would have been nice for them not just to see you and your boyfriend, but, you know, mom too, kind of rallying around, maybe coming over and cooking a meal. And and I know that would be hard to do because of dad and mom's dynamic, but something, or send, 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 a card. Or dash. <laughs> a car. Yeah. How about, how about just a text that says, are you okay? That's, I mean, I don't think there's anything more basic as a human that you could say to somebody, are you okay? Well, How are you? and you know, I think that you'll get into this, but we did have a sit down, you know, mm-hmm. recently that yeah. went really well. And mm-hmm. I actually, that was something that I did bring up is like, you know, during this whole, like really nine months of hell that I was yeah. going through, um, your kids were angels to me, but they were part of it. They were yeah, they're yeah, part of it. They were affected by it. They, and they are part of like the healing process. And it was difficult for me when the only thing that I received from you was, um, can you bring down, can you bring to the end of my driveway, you know, their shoes mm-hmm. one time. And I'm like, I'm literally in bed sick with chemo. And it was like a, you know, a comment fired back of like, well, I guess they'll just wear their flip-flops in the rain. And I'm like, you know, shoes are I guess they will. $10 at Walmart. You can right. shop at home. I'll Venmo you the money if that's what it takes, but I can't go downstairs right now. Yeah. And, but we did talk about that at our recent sit down and she apologized for that. Mm-hmm. She, she did um, say that it was just something that her own frustration and her own, what she was dealing with in that moment that she just fired back a text and she apologized. And so, um, even that it's like, I, I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. It's little things, right? I mean, so cliche to say, but it's, it's little things. And it took you a long, um, long time to get there. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you, um, what, now, wait a second. I'm going to think about this for a second. So you were going through cancer and now you're okay. And now you're looking gorgeous for those who are listening on the podcast, uh, the video that she's just sitting here looking like a supermodel. <laughs> and so we made it through and you're in, did, are you in remission? It's always remission, yeah. right? Okay. My, my in remission. It, it's different. So it's a different kind so that I caught it, it was caught early enough. Um, uh, my boyfriend will claim the credit for that. For <laughs> Catching like, it. <laughs> you should go to the doctor. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I did within uh-huh. the week and it was like, boom, 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 done. And so, oh. he, so that's our ongoing joke is like, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, like, 
I might have some friends, you know, that might need, you know, and he, he laughs at it. He's like, oh, that's what we're here for. <laughs> it's a total joke between us now because he really did. He's the one that found it. Yeah. And, um, I just saved your life, right? Yeah. Because you weren't feeling in any kind of way. You weren't no. aware or because no. you're so young, you probably weren't even, wasn't even on the radar. Oh, yeah. and nothing in my family. I was, I did the genetic test as a 0% chance of having cancer. Um, and so, so yeah. technically, I was caught early enough that when I had the double mastectomy mm-hmm. and the tumors, there's three tumors were removed. Mm-hmm. Technically the cancer was removed, but my oncologist said, because you're young, um, it's recommended that you have four rounds of chemo. And he goes, also, because you're young, I'm going to blast you with six. So, um, at this point, there's no, there's no scans. There's no blood work. We just, I'm on medication, you know, and just carrying on with your life (laughs) back to being bonus mom. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I gave a little preview about what you had gone through and you're talking about it as well. So suffice to say, there was, you and I have been talking, I feel like uh, a year and a half. I could. Uh, no, I reached almost out. two it'll, years, right? It'll be three years in January. No. Yes. Stop it. I, because I, when we started the court stuff, I was lost. I didn't know how, are I didn't know. Are you like, sure three years? I'm almost hundred percent positive. If, yeah, because that was in January, but January. So wasn't it January 19 that you were going to court? Um, it was, right? No, 18. Holy, you know what? Oh my God. Because then you said you were in court and then you had to go. Then that's when you found out. Yeah, cancer. Right. So it was 19, right? So yeah, two so years. Two years. Well, almost two years. It's almost our anniversary, bro. I know. What are we yeah. going to do? <laughs> I want COVID to go away. Then I'll just go to yes. California. <laughs> and then I'll go visit you. Yes. I would love it. <laughs> so, you know, back then there was nothing was happening with mom. It was all bad, 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 constantly. Um, no movement. Like you said, very cold. It was almost very cold, purposely cold. It wasn't, you know, misreading a text message. It was like purposely almost mean things happening. Um, and then, so two years and many, I don't know, what do we have? A thousand DMs back and forth, a lot, a lot of conversation. Um, and I want to just, you know, I don't even know how to say it. Sometimes I have a hard time finding words for things that I'm so amazed by, but you're, uh, this could make me emotional, but I, I'm so amazed. No, really. I, I'm so amazed by your perseverance. Um, really, I think I'm going to cry now. <laughs> no, I, and when I, when I DM you and I say like, oh my God, I'm tearing up by that. I really mean it. Like I, it touches me. Um, Cause I'm kind of a big softy, but I, I think of you know, I think about my own girls and how lucky we would be to have someone like you in our lives. And I say our, because me too, you know, we're all, it's all connected. So when I think to myself that you persevered for that long, and the question I asked you about, did you ever think of 
saying this is not for me. I ask that not because of you personally, um, but I want to show people there are people who say, you know what, this isn't almost, this, I, they, they come to me and say, I don't, how can I do this? Why do I, why do I even bother? You know, these two idiots can't get along. I love this person. I want to support them, but it's just a nightmare. It's too much for my life. And just to show people that it can be done. And mm -hmm. the children also, the children will grow up. And then if you really love this person and support them, maybe you can get through the hard bits and then you guys will go on and live your lives together later on. But, you know, for you to get through, you know, their mom, the girl's mom, um, you know, your boyfriend working so hard, basically not being home. Right. And then you had cancer into, into the mix and jam that into the, four years I I'm in awe of you in the most respectful loving way I'm telling you I <laughs> I'm gonna hug you through the video <laughs> so much so I just that's why I asked you that question um if you put your mind to it you can do it I'm not you know um well and so I, I I had the benefit of um because I have been in a relationship with before with mm -hmm. um somebody who had a child from somebody mm -hmm. else yeah and i and i said like after that i'm not doing this again right. i'm not getting involved with somebody who has children because i get attached so attached to the kids and then mm -hmm. you're out like mm -hmm. if you, the other parent if you're not the biological parent like what if a breakup happens you're you're no. left right your your okay. heart will break the most and so but then I met their dad and then he was great I mean I remember the first time that I ever met him and I saw him sorry my computer okay I saw him walk in and I had friends with me and I literally like slapped my friend on her arm and I was like that's him and she was like no way I'm like yeah and he was looking around and I walked over, you know, and we had like an awkward hug because he's really tall. So mm -hmm. he's used to coming over and I'm tall. So I'm used to going up and we had this like, yeah. like crash <laughs> and it was like, okay, like awkward, uh -huh. but it was, um, he's very, very like has an old soul and he's very trustworthy and loyal. And, um, but what change, what is the thing with him is he has extremely good boundaries. Mm -hmm. He has boundaries, he sets limits, and he doesn't, he, which makes him, which can make him a little rigid on some things, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. overall, that's what's been um, kind of the thing that's helped me mm -hmm. because, you know, he's got it. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of bonus parents come in and they want to nitpick at this and they want to change that and they want to be in control of, and they find themselves out of their lane a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you can't help, not if you think you can help, mm -hmm. like literally if you can't help and nobody's asking for your help, just go, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. why make it harder for yourself than it needs to be? Yeah. That's what I'm 
I feel like I say that at least 20 times a week to different um, people. Men and women, not, you know, so you come, a lot of times I get it though. You come in and you're, you feel protective of this person and you maybe, you know, maybe they say some kind of things, which stirs up things in your mind. And so you, you fall in love with somebody and you become protective of them. And I, and I get that, but there's a larger picture. There's someone's precious childhood in the center and like you said, if the parents have it and they are doing whatever they need to do, then that's great. But I will say in your particular case, what a blessing to have you there because I know the full story and, you know, wow. So it's now two healthy parents to one, not so much. And not to not to use the analogy of scale, but it really balanced things out and saved the girls from, wow, so many things. I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get into well, all of it, but. There's a way to, like what, what we were just talking about. So that there was, there's a way to, for the bonus parents to set their own limits and boundaries by <laughs> communicating. You have to say, listen, like I would like to, get on the same page with you or be cordial with you or whatever. Mm -hmm. However, I want you to know that I, I'm the person that loves your children's dad and I'm the person that loves your children. So that's setting a boundary of, of the other person. So like, I would never get together with the other person just and let them say anything negative about my partner. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's that it's communication and, and some people will say that communicate, I communicated that. I said that it's like, but part of communicate communication is listening. You yeah. also have to listen. You also have to be open and receptive. You can't just say like, you know, don't do this and don't do that. That's just being probably the worst thing you can do is talk yeah. about don'ts. Don't, 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 you know, tell people yeah. what to do. Yeah. That's the opposite for anyone listening. That's the opposite of what we do. We don't do that. We give choices. Um, we set boundaries that are enforceable. Okay, because we all know that it's the boundary consequence and, you know, follow through cycle yeah. that actually, you know, helps keep you protected or, or helps a child understand, uh, or even in discipline, right? So setting that boundary, you can't, this is what shouldn't happen. This is what's going to happen. And then the follow through. So that whole loop is what we have to, you know, we can't just throw boundaries and then know that you'll never be able to how do you enforce them? That's and the next question. Even in, in the in our in the family court case, even the judge had said, you know, in this specific situation, you guys might benefit by communicating through an alternative person, whether it's you know the mm -hmm. spouse or you know a bonus parent, whatever mm -hmm. you know. And so there's some parents that benefit by lending the control, giving up some of the control to whether it's like. A, an app uh, like a you know like family wizard or one of those mm -hmm. or you know once the kids get a certain age um we got them their own uh watch phone you know gizmo mm -hmm. so they can communicate directly with their parent and you're pulling yourself out of what in the past was like drama mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. oh, like i would get the phone calls and it's like I'm not like, this is how our meeting started recently is because I was getting texts of like, 
are the kids coming down? You know, I've been waiting here. And I'm like, I'm not home. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's happening. And mm-hmm. I would guess that dad is working and doesn't, you know, he's home, but he's, isn't connected to a phone. Mm-hmm. And the kids probably aren't wearing their phone. Mm-hmm. Watch them like work. you said, like you said, the girl's dad is very good at setting boundaries. And before you came along, he had been setting boundaries with her and she mm-hmm. knew that. Mm-hmm. So here's you with a little bit of a softer approach, same, you know, same expectations, I guess we will call them, but a little bit softer approach and more willing to ebb and flow. So that's probably why you were getting, mm-hmm. now you were the target. <laughs> you know, for the text and the, this yeah. and the commands. So, yeah. And it was, um, it was put just, down <laughs> finally. Well, the other thing too, is that, um, I also made it very clear that I wasn't going to be, you can communicate through me and not him mm-hmm. again. Like I'm a, I'm a bonus open to it. Yes. I'm not, if I'm not approved to participate in extracurricular activities without people's permission or attend a parent conference at school, Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, I'm not going to take the full responsibility, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have, just because you can't reach your other parent, the other parent. Right. So I also, boundaries also help me stay in my lane. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to step out, like you said, and like, make things more difficult or dramatic than they need to be right right what for simple easy yeah yeah i mean you know i if you if you have a system and i say this i if you have a system and it's working now before you were part of their life who knows right maybe it was working they weren't talking and they were doing more of a would you say a parallel parenting thing probably know that by now right you're more just like my time your time that's it but what had gotten lost in that is the girls because there was a lot of things going on with them that because of mom and dad's you know rigidity to stay where they were to keep themselves protected the girls were getting a little bit caught up in that right even though they were young, they still, that's why he was fighting for therapy to push yeah. for that and all the yeah. other. So, um, yeah, and, but now here you are. So I'm going to get to the point and just real quick, I just have a quick question for you. Do you think that step parents should have rights like legal rights? Um, like maybe after a certain amount of time, I, I, as on being married, I don't know, you know, just as the role I'm in now, I selfishly want to say yes, Mm -hmm. but if my biological child, I would no. (laughs) Gotcha. I got, I just had to ask you that because I knew you would answer it very honestly, but I know I, I, I feel, I do feel bad for step parents who, you know, pour their heart and soul. And like you had said that just to loop back to the story about being married before, and then, you know, having your heart broken over that, tell everybody what happened from that relationship super fast. And then we'll get into the rest of what happened recently between you and the girl's mom. Oh, yes. So, that, oh, yes. 
I'll bleep it out if <laughs> I wasn't sure if you're talking about the girl if about me and girl's mom connecting. No. Oh, so I must have cut out for a second. Yeah. So so you were married before and you were a stepmom before and you were talking about how you had you know, you had your heart broken after that ended and then you weren't able to stay in touch because your stepson. Yes. So I was, um, I'm 40 now. So, um, I was married, um, and when I was 22 for about, um, two years. And during that time, um, my ex had, um, a son that I met when he was six and, um, we, he just, wasn't ready my ex wasn't ready to grow up and be a husband or whatever so anyway yeah, yeah. He actually, so, I, so I had you know we had gone to therapy and given it a shot and I just couldn't do it so I moved out and he served me with divorce papers which is fine but my out my new house was across the street from his son's school and I was working a night shift and I woke up one morning and obviously I hadn't locked my door because I have this child sitting on my floor watching TV cartoons and it's on mute because I was sleeping on the couch. So I was working nights and I came home from work in the morning, fell asleep on the couch and I wake up and it's like two 30 and the TV's on, it's on mute. And he's sitting right next to me on the floor. And I'm like, Hey buddy, what are you doing? (laughs) Eight, nine years old at this time. And, um, he said, well, um, and his mom lived, a block away from me. Okay. So he said, I just missed you and I wanted to see you. So mm-hmm. I'm here. And I said, did you, and that, I mean, this is what, 2005. So like, we don't have like phones and stuff aren't the same. Yeah. yeah. I said, did mom or dad know that you're here? And he's like, no. And I, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, I walked him home and, you know, told his mom, like, you know, I'm really sorry. And she's like, it's okay. And you know, we both told him like, you have to ask for permission. You know, you can't do that. So that never happened again. And I actually didn't see him again. Um, and then because of social media, I got a message and he's like, I'm, you know, let's, let's see, he's going to be like 28 ish. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've never forgot you. I had, um, all growing up, I had a picture um, pictures of you in my room growing up and I still have all of that. I have the memories and we're, you know, he keeps me updated with that. He's married and going to have a baby. And so I haven't seen his dad since, uh, the day I moved out. So that was (laughs) a long time ago, but it's, it's the impact that you have on kids. You just, especially during that, that zero to five, Mm -hmm even six, you know, the kids' brains are, you know, just starting to finally be, you know, 80% developed, but that's like their, their bonding time and their safety and, you know, how they learn to cope with things. And, you know, they, they are little sponges. Mm-hmm. So who knows what, I don't know how, and, and it's, you, there's no way to know what's going to stick and what's not going to stick, right? How could you or dad have ever predicted that he was going to have you, you hold you so close to him and have such a bond, you know, we don't know what's going on in here. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I will say once I met the girl's dad and I learned more about him as a father, mm-hmm. he, uh, it was even more to love because 
not a lot of, and no offense guys, but um, I don't personally see a lot of men that step up the way that he had done. And so um, their mom went back to work and he stayed home with the, he chose to stay home with the girls. And, um, you know, he's a dad that, you know, I don't know if like kids was even, you know, in his mind of mm-hmm. what kind of dad he would be. And here he is with twins changing diapers and, you know, all of it. All different all of it. things that come along with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, him, and then eventually him getting to a point where when he was dating, you know, and he talked about that he has kids and there's some girls that were just flat out, like, I'm not interested in being yeah. a mom. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's had a lot to deal with and the bond that he has with his girls are because he invested, just like you said, mm-hmm. the zero, well, continues to do so, yeah, continues to do so, but he really invested by, you know, his, his work was, um, you know, outages and, you know, offshore work. And he changed and, and dropped everything mm-hmm. to be able to have his own business, to be flexible, to be home mm-hmm. and be able to be with them so that they're not, even when he had um, people coming in for babysitting and stuff, it's because he was outside working and then mm-hmm. he would have someone inside watching them. So mm-hmm. he did a lot mm-hmm. to really have that bonding thing. And that te- oh. it's, it teaches them um, coping skills. So like us as adults, when we don't get what we need and we end up in therapy, <laughs> I feel like the therapist is always trying to, in a roundabout way, have you figure out what's your best coping skill? Like, do you mm-hmm. need to spend? Do you need to go on a walk? Do you need to exercise? What is it? Mm-hmm. And if you can teach that in your kids and it's a part of their foundation, anytime they fall down, they're going to be like, I have this skill. I have, I know where to go to be safe. I know who to call mm-hmm. because it's built into them. I had a rough time in my life in my later twenties mm-hmm. and I got and I grew up in a typically normal, um, quote unquote household. I have a sibling, mm-hmm. um, and my parents were middle-class and my parents were not very af- ever affectionate. And they didn't say that they loved, uh, they didn't tell you that you, they loved you. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, that's how our house was ran. And, um, you know, when I had a hard time in life, I still knew I could come home. I still, I had a foundation, even without all the touchy-feely stuff. And since my parents, my parents were young when, I mean, not teenagers, but they were 19, 20 when they had us. And, and so once they became grandparents, they like their light bulbs went off and they're like, oh, you know, they had all these feelings and they have all these emotions for their grandkids. And now they've said like, we should have hugged you more. We should have told oh. you that we loved you more. And, you yeah. know, and I'm like, yeah, that would have been good, but you know, it made me pretty tough mm-hmm. and handle a lot of stuff. But, um, that's something that I've noticed that I have to be aware of. Like I, I'll be driving in the car and I'll, with the girls and I'll be thinking like, gosh, like they're so cool. They're so fun. They're funny. And I'm not saying like that just because like they're, you know, my bonus kids, like, you know, like I think that if I told their joke and from them to anybody that 
other people <laughs> too. Not, you know, me stuck in my little bubble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, but then I realized I like took myself a step further and was like, I should be telling them. And so it's easy to be for me to be in my head and being grateful and thankful for them and their dad. But it is something that I've had to work on to verbalize. Like you said, it makes you strong, but not, not strong in a hard way. I think strong can sometimes be misconstrued, but strong in a confident way. So you're like, all right, this came at me. In your case, it was cancer. This came at me, but you know what? I know where to go. Yeah. Be okay. Yeah. And I think that, um, and I don't know, but cause I haven't had, you know, my own kids, but, uh, I, what I see with the girls and twins is that there's this like built-in competition. So when I see they were like yesterday, they were out on the trampoline and they come running inside. So I know like someone's going to tell on somebody. And I turn around and I'm like, and I went to say like, what happened? And you know, they're like started going at each other. And it was like, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. And it went on for like a couple of minutes and I didn't say a word. And they're like face to face, just like, you know, going at it. And then they both stopped and they're dead stare at each other. And they started laughing. Cause it's stupid, right? And it was like, <laughs> once, they get, once they get it out, they're like, wait, that's dumb. Yeah. And so, <laughs> are you guys done? And, and, and you know, yeah, and I smiled, yeah. they laughed and they said, yep, out the trampoline. Mm -hmm. But it's because through the last couple of years and then being enforced through therapy, mm -hmm. we've been telling them, use your words, mm -hmm. use your words, because what I think when you're a twin, it's easy for like, they played on a softball team and the coach bless her heart, but you know, the kids got numbers. So if you don't memorize the kid's face, cause they're twins, look at the numbers, but she yeah. would always look at them and she'd say, which one are you? And I'm like, come on. Yeah. So I <laughs> come on. people, a lot of times people can't tell them apart. And so, you know, which one are you, or, you know, they learn to talk for each other or they finish each other's sentences. And there's a lot of times when I might say like, you know, ask one of them, do you like beets? And the other one says, we don't like that. And I said, well, let, let me ask her first and let her answer. But mm -hmm. that's what a lot of, um, individuality, right. Yeah. And I think their confidence lacked before where I think it's built up a lot now is because they are developing into individuals, mm -hmm. not just twins. Mm -hmm. It's, beautiful to see you know mm -hmm. one person wants we try to do things with them where one goes with dad and one goes with me and we do totally different things dad might take them out to the country and they might catch frogs and mm -hmm. do something else not that I don't do that but mm -hmm. my day might be you know some shopping or you know something else and yeah. then swap and, and they've so gotten better they forget through therapy and through everything that they have at home with you know, you and dad, they've also gotten better at communicating with mom, yes. who can be very difficult to communicate with just because of the style of person that she is. Mm -hmm. So that's humongous because look, mom and dad are our first exposure mm -hmm. to really everything. 
And so it can be intimidating to want to confront your parent for 99.9% of kids. You just, it's something you just kind of don't want to do, but there is, there are many reasons why they should. Right. And they've, they've started doing that, but in a healthy way. And I think that that is also full circle helping mom. Right. Is that yeah. say helping mom be a better mom because instead of them hiding and suppressing now things are coming out that she has to she has to deal you know she has to it's it's better to you know just like have it out and yeah through it instead of holding it in and then all of a sudden they're hormonal and 13 it's like what are you gonna do and guess what it'll come out whether anybody likes it or not then you know, for, for work, I, my, I work with 18 to 24 year olds, okay. my population, but my population is very, they're coming from foster care. Um, and so they typically have a significant amount of trauma. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times some people are, you know, at their age and some people are teenagers. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I come over and it's like this huge meltdown and it's all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this stuff. So I'm just kind of like, what's the problem? And I'm happy to just fix it right now for you. Everybody that's come with co-parenting has been like, uh, their dad and I both took the, you know, the class together Mm -hmm. uh, through family court or whatever. Yeah. But I learned some stuff. And so it's been good for me because I'm a very like right now, like, let's talk about it. Let's do it. Let's solve it. Let's be done with it. But it's taught me a lot of patience. It's mm-hmm. taught me how to have grace. And it's taught me also that just because my intention was I good and heartfelt, it doesn't mean that it's ever, it doesn't mean that someone receives like, oh, that was such Receive a, it like heartfelt. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just because I want to share a photo or something like that, or the kids want to share a photo, that doesn't mean at all that the other parent wants to see that damn photo. Right. Having a great time at the other house. Right. So, but there's been a lot of learning. I think, I think there always is a lot of learning for everybody. And there's a lot of times that I, cause I feel like, you know, I could get riled up by things that have come up in the past. And so I'll ask him like, you know, like, what do you think? And he's like, he, he knows he stays calm and collected because he's not emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. And that was the advice, even from the therapist. She's like, you know, dad, you're not emotionally invested in mom at all. And so to keep the communication through you, you know, until things change, which they um, newly have, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of what I stuck. I mean, I followed the advice of the professional and that's mm-hmm. what we stuck to. Mm-hmm. And helpful also is me staying in, staying in my lane. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what happened. <laughs> so coming from, you know, four years, we already went through all of that recently. Mm-hmm. Start, start at the text that launched a lunch. So and I'm really, a- really clear about what you said, because so- we weren't, you know, just to preface everything, it, you were not, again, a lot of people think that you have to be confrontational. It's the complete opposite I found in life. Um, yeah. That actually the 
less you say, less confrontational you are. You know what I what I call it? I say underreact. Because you can always dial up your reaction later if you need to. But if someone's overreacting, there's no point in two people overreacting. So nothing's going to happen. You can underreact and dial it up later if you need to or figure, you know, let it simmer down. So you, but you, you were crystal clear and firm, but in a fair way and take it from there. So I, um, just for, um, I don't know what the word is for the sake of, what do you call it? Like respect Mm -hmm. for, for mom. I won't even say much about, cause I just pulled up the the conversation. So Mm -hmm. it was, um, I don't get messages that, that say anything like hi or any, any questions. It's just telling me to do stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, do so. My and you, rest- guys, you and mom don't use the, the app. It's only mom and dad, right? Whole nother story. Mom oh. never got the app. Oh, she, that's right. I forgot about that. Sorry. I thought that you, from that one conversation that we had started yeah. that. Okay. I I, yeah. So yeah. going so okay. going back, I had said I am a very direct communicator. Mm-hmm. So I had to work on it professionally so that I'm I do people don't feel attacked or you know mean mm-hmm. that I to them. But mm-hmm. I my response was um, she was saying that she's waiting for the kids and when are they coming down? And I wasn't home. So I said I work at the office and at home, but you wouldn't know if I'm home or not because you don't ask or try to communicate with me about anything. And it's unfortunate. And that kicked off a whole, like, wow, you could have, you know, led with something different because I had just, that was probably maybe the third type of message like that, that I've gotten in the last like month or so. So I was just kind of like, and each time I've never been home. Mm-hmm. So and I can understand from somebody else's perspective, they come over to get the kid or, you know, there's some kind of exchange of something happening. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to assume that I'm here and not being like purposely ignoring somebody when I'm not. But mm-hmm. perception is an ugly word because it is so, I hate the word perception anyway. Mm-hmm. So the, conver- the text conversation led from that to um, me saying that I've, you know, I've tried to, you know, I had said, I'm only send, saying that you send me messages of what to do, but you never ask if I'm able to do it. Okay, everyone, that is where we are going to cap Brooke's story for now. Please don't kill me. (laughs) Please don't hate me. But next, uh, in part two, we are going to focus more on what happened when Brooke met up with the girl's mom for the first time, what they talked about, um, the effect that it had on each of them uh, from Brooke's perspective, obviously, and what direction it took their quote unquote relationship. And more importantly, How did it affect the girls? So stay tuned for that. If you would like to reach out to Brooke, her 
uh, Instagram account name will be in the description of this episode. (laughs) Sorry. In the description of this episode. So stay tuned. You won't want to miss it.